You're listening to the Bethel Baptist Podcast. This recording is from our adult Sunday school class. Today's lesson is taught by Keith Wilkinson. All right, well, if you don't already have your books open, your Bibles open to James, go ahead and turn there. We're going to be back in chapter 1 again today, looking at those first 12 verses. We've gone through the background of the book of James, and last week we got a start in going through uh, the first 12 verses, really, I guess, maybe verses 3 through 12. And uh, so that's why the the uh, handout looks really kind of the same today in that we, we just started the first of those four components of consider, considering it all joy. And so we're going to get back into those today, maybe do a little recap of one, but then look at two, three, and four, and then ask that question that's at the bottom of your handout, which is why should I consider it all joy? And those are really the things that come out of those first 12 verses. So I'll read the first 12 verses, and then we'll get back into kind of where we were um, last week. And again, this is very, very casual, very informal. So if you have questions on anything as we're going through here, um, I think it would be, yeah, certainly go ahead and and ask. We don't want you to wait until uh, the end to try to uh, get some of those questions answered. And maybe you know, I guess I really haven't done this in the past with regard to be mindful that if if you have a question on something, there's a pretty good pretty good chance somebody else has the same question. And so um, you know, go ahead and ask. Don't don't be bashful about that. I guess I always say the only dumb question is one you already know the answer to. So uh, anyway, let's take a look at the first twelve verses of the book of James. Starting in verse 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flowers fall off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so, as we mentioned, uh, James, you know, right out of the gate, uh, he, starts, he starts getting after it. Um, and he, there's, not a, there's not really any fluff here. Again, that introduction is very powerful. And then he's telling them to be completely joyful in the trials, really the trials and circumstances that they encounter, things that are happening in their life. And we talked about one of the main things maybe to take away in this uh, first section is really the understanding that 
we are going to have trouble in life. Uh, there are going to be trials in life. We're, nobody is immune to trials. We're all going to have them. And it would do us well to be mindful of that. Uh, again, some of that comes back to uh, the modern health, wealth, prosperity gospel, all those things where, or even just the misunderstanding of, of what it means to come to faith in Christ. And there's this idea out there that give your life to Christ and everything's going to be fine. Your life is, you know, you're no longer going to be um, a, a drug addict or whatever. And life from that point on is going to be all a bed of roses. And that's just not true. That is presenting a false gospel. Uh, that is presenting a false Christianity. And we have to make sure that we don't do that. And we see that all throughout the pages of Scripture. And, and so that should not surprise us. Um, in fact, Nancy and I were just talking <laughs> yesterday about some of the... Uh, some of the comments that you hear with regard to what's going on in Israel now. And people talk about that like they're just shocked that that's happening. Um, and we were kind of looking at each other like, why would you be shocked? The, 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 the people have hated the people of God from the beginning. I mean, right? I mean, it's just, that's what we should expect. That's what happens. Uh, the reality for me is that it's surprising not more of that happens, right? And so we, we need to understand that just in a biblical perspective, those are things that are going to happen. So we think about trials, that is a part of life. Uh, kind of mentioning how that is testified to in all of Scripture, you can go back to Job, uh, Job 5.7. For man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. Uh, trouble is going to happen. It, it's a reality. Um, from the moment we're born until the day we die, there's going to be trouble in there somewhere. Uh, this is a great thing to teach our children. Uh, we tend to think, or our children tend to think that they're, um, uh, they're, nothing can happen to them, nothing bad's going to happen to them, right? Uh, they're invincible. You see this all the time uh, with teenagers. Nothing bad's going to happen. Um, um, might happen to people that are old, but it's not going to happen to me. Um, and we need to kind of get them into reality, right? We need to let them understand that. So yeah, that that phrase or this verse here in Job is is uh, we would do well to heed that. Uh, we are born for trouble, as uh, sparks fly. Upward, So kind of a, a lead into uh, the things that we're going to talk about today in the book of James with regard to uh, considering it all joy and the four, the four components to considering all joy, right? James is telling us to consider it all joy. How do we go about doing that? Uh, he doesn't leave us hanging there. He tells us how to go about doing that. So we want to start with that first point there. Have the right understanding. We want to understand, uh, or as we go about considering all joy, uh, we need to begin with having the right understanding. We talked about how uh, having the right understanding doesn't come from just the knowledge that we have these difficulties, 
but it comes from the understanding that we're going to gain all this as we go through these trials. That's how we understand that we have genuine faith is by going through these trials. There's a testing that happens. That's a way for us to understand that we have genuine faith and we understand the difference between patience and endurance. Patience is getting through one trial at a time. Endurance is going through multiple um, trials. That's how we gain endurance. Uh, we talked about how that's long-suffering. We have to have that perspective as a Christian that that's what's going to happen in our life. That's how we mature. That is going to move along in our life. That is how we get that endurance that he's talking about. Again, I mentioned last week the quote by MacArthur, endurance incre increases each time a trial is patiently and trustingly endured. Patiently and trustingly endured. And that's why I mentioned it's dangerous to pray for patience. Right? We, we pray for that. Those things are going to come. Uh, we know that. So uh, we have to be, be careful about how we think of those things. But it comes with that mindset, that understanding, right? That we, we need to know that. We need to have the right understanding about trials. They're not just these random things that have no purpose. They have a purpose. And that's why we look at those uh, in verse 3 there. Or, yeah, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's not talking about uh, somehow we're going to be uh, sinless in this life. That if we go through a certain number of trials, that we're going to get to a point where we're never going to struggle with uh, sin any longer. And some people try to take it that way. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about, uh, again, this genuineness of our faith. That's only going to happen as we continue to go through these trials. We continue to uh, build endurance. It's looking at us being um, uh, the, the person of God that we're supposed to be in the end. And so we want to have that in, uh, in, in our vision, right? We want to see that in a spiritual sense as we think about going through uh, trials. We want to have that, that right understanding. Um, and we think about uh, this whole thing, it's a process. It is a process. For some, that process is very, very, very difficult. For others, it may appear that it's not quite so difficult, but we're not in their shoes. We, we don't really know what's going on in their life. And so well, we have to be careful on judging people maybe based on outward appearance. Yeah, Barbara. Um, I think for me, I have to remind myself, I might be one of those people Right. Okay. Yeah, we do have to work on it, right? And that's why uh, that's why this perspective or having the right understanding is so important. Um, I've shared this a number of times before with regard to part of the perspective we need to have here in um, uh, what we see in Ecclesiastes. 
um, I think it's mentioned twice in the first three verses with re- or three chapters um, with regard to uh, the crook in the lot. Uh, this this understanding that um, um, what God has made crooked, no man can straighten. Um, we look at things here on earth, uh, we, we, we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, and we kind of have this idea about how we would get out of those circumstances. If these few things would happen, I would no longer be in difficult times. I'm in difficult times, and Lord, if if you would just let me do this, uh, I'd be out of those difficult circumstances. Uh, but that's not how God has designed it. And we find ourselves thinking about it that, um, you know, Lord, why do you have me going over there? And now I'm over there. And now I'm kind of back there. Why can't I just go there? Right? Because that's where I need to be. Um, well, we see that as a crooked path to where we need to be. That's not how it looks in heaven. In heaven, that is the straight path. We don't see it that way. And so we have to be very careful on how we view those things. Again, that comes back to having the right understanding. Uh, God knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> All right. Uh, contrary to most of our opinions, <laughs> uh, he does know what he's doing. Right, so in kind of what Pastor Kirk was mentioning this morning uh, with Ruth, Nancy has some. Yeah, uh, we would see them as trials, right? Uh, that's that's the Lord's uh, uh, that's the Lord's design for us, and so we need to see it. That we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. That is that is the the path that the Lord has set before us in a, a number of ways. And so, uh, again, as Pastor Kirk was talking about providence this morning, you think about all these different things that are happening in the lives of various people in, uh, uh, in, the, in the Bible, and we see that. You, you go back and think about uh, Joseph. <laughs> what, what happened to Joseph? I mean, you look at his life in an earthly sense, he was all over the place. Uh, that would seem to be a very crooked path uh, to us in a human sense. Uh, in a heavenly sense, that was a straight line to where things needed to go. right? And so we need to be mindful of those things. Uh, and again, that comes back to having the right understanding. Um, and that, I think I mentioned that passage last week, which is Genesis 50:20. Uh, where uh, Joseph finally responds to his brothers, right? They, they're trying to, <laughs> talking about trying to connive your way out of trials, right? Um, what are his brothers trying to do? Are they in a trial? <laughs> what trial are his brothers in? What's that? They're facing Joseph. What's, what's the bad thing with facing Joseph? They had tried to get rid of him, right? Now they understand that he's the one that can get rid of them, right? <laughs> All he has to do is say the word and they're done. So what are they trying to do? What do they try to do in the end there in Genesis 50? How do they try to manipulate? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. They tried to invoke the name of their father by saying that he said something which he never said, right? So they're, they are in a trial. Uh, uh, they think they are. They're in a certain set of circumstances. And they are trying to finagle things to get out of that set of circumstances by invoking their father's name. Uh, Joseph knows none of it's true, <laughs> right? And he's trying to reassure them that everything's going to be fine. They don't think that, though. Their mind has gone on some other, uh, some, some other direction. There's a lot you could talk about in that story. <laughs> really, it would be important as we think about our uh, trials in our own life. When we get into trials, our minds go in all kinds of different directions about who God is and about His goodness. We start to, people doubt, right? They start doubting. I'm in this trial. I've been in this trial for a long time. Maybe something is wrong with my relationship with the Lord. Now, we don't want to throw that out but uh, immediately, but um, we've got to be careful on how our thought processes start to move forward. That's why it's so important to come back always to the promises of God, understanding what it is that He has uh, already said and the promises that He's made, just like we uh, looked at in, in Matthew 6 uh, earlier today. Very, very important. R Rachel, you had a question? Um, is this kind of like when trials happen? Is this kind of where we Oh, so Rachel's question is, is, would this be like the parable of the sower, the parable of the, the seeds, the parable of the soils, if you will, uh, with regard to why people fall away? Um, it, it can be, uh, because we do see that in the parable of, of the soils. When the worries of life uh, uh, step in, uh, that's when uh, things are, are choked out, right? Uh, so you do have that concept that's happening there in the parable of the soils. And so that would be one of the reasons James is writing to these people to encourage them, to reassure them that they have not been abandoned by God. And we talked about that with regard to the background. These people, some of them had a lot of possessions, a lot of, if you want to look at it in the earthly sense, they had a lot of blessings from God. And now all of that has been stripped away. And so you, you have to, this is why it's really important to think about some of these things in the context of what's going on here in the sense of uh, Judaism. And I did mention, I think, the first week, one of the things that, that's very important as we consider this, even as we think about the entirety of the book of James, not just here in chapter 1, but in, the entirety of the book of James, uh, really the entirety of Scripture when we're thinking about, um, especially in the Old Testament and uh, Judaism, is the understanding that everything, not everything, I shouldn't say it that way, a, a big thing within Judaism, a major thing in Judaism is land. It's the land, <laughs> right? It's kind of, <laughs> don't you get it stupid? It's the land. I mean, that's what it's about, right? That's why Abraham leaves the Ur of Chaldees to go to a land, a promised land. 
That's what Moses is trying to get them to. That's what Joshua is delivering them into. That is what Joshua is um, uh, lecturing them about to make sure they keep, right? Uh, even with regard to the kingdom. Uh, it's not about just having a king. It's about having a king that rules over the land, their land. Not somebody else's land, their land, right? Uh, and you think about that in the sense of, I'm getting way off here, but that's all right. <laughs> you think about that in the sense of what's even going on now in Israel and what has gone on there for century after century after century. When you think about other um, empires, if you will, what do they always try to do? Take land, but are they taking just a small piece of land? They want it all. What does Israel want? Just their piece of land. They don't want Italy. <laughs> they don't want Germany. They don't want the United States of America. They don't want China or Japan or whatever. They just want their land. That's it. Right? That's unlike any other um, uh, emperor, ruler, king, whatever. It's always more land. More land, right? But I, I just think that's very interesting. Um, uh, and, and so that's why we have to be mindful of that. For them, that's a huge component of everything, their land. It's what God has given them. God delineated what their land was, and uh, that's, uh, that's what they want to keep. Uh, that's why it was uh, frustrating for uh, someone like uh, uh, Jonah. <laughs> Jonah. Jonah, you could make the argument that Jonah wanted the blessing of God to fall on Israel, not on Nineveh. Nineveh was not part of Israel, right? Why do you care about somebody outside of Israel? That makes no sense. The blessing is to be to us, right? So again, those are very important things to, to be mindful of. So as we think about uh, the rest of, of James, you know, I would encourage you to, to uh, keep that in mind. That, that is very important as we think about these people that are not in their land. They are outside of their land. And so just that in and of itself, again, after everything that's happened, uh, the, the 400 years of silence, um, um, all the stuff that had happened during the exile, all of that kind of stuff, their, their hope to be back in the land, to have the land, to have a king in the land, um, and, and their perspective on Christ and all that, it just kind of ruffles their feathers the, the wrong way. Right, Mel? Um, uh, probably yes and no, right? So you're, you're right. They, they do have their focus on earthly things. And you would have that certainly at the time of Christ. The, their idea of this king that was coming was one that was going, going to take back or get them their land, right? They were going to throw out the Roman government. 
uh, that was all going to be over with. Uh, you were going to have the king that was going to be here forever, the one to rule and reign forever, and life was going to be made right. It's not that way. <laughs> Christ, uh, um, uh, Christ has been crucified. Uh, certainly, we these people all know they're, the majority of these people would be believers. And they have placed their faith and trust in Christ. Uh, they're learning about what this all entails. Uh, but part of what they're struggling with is this understanding that a lot of people struggle with today. It's not really much unlike what we struggle with today. Many people still think that if I'm a Christian, there's going to be this blessing in my life, and I'm not going to have to deal with trials. Uh, and again, that's why I mentioned early on that that's just not the case. Um, and that's why it says there that, um, you know, in, in, in verses 2 and 3, um, uh, consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, and that encountering various trials there has this idea of falling into. Uh, these things just happen. It's not something that you have done to yourself. Um, it's something that just comes about uh, by the providence of God. And, and we have to move through those things. So that's, again, the first thing we want to do is have the right understanding as we think about trials. Uh, an understanding that those things are going to happen. And one of the things that we want to think about as we are talking about, um, let's see if I have that here. Oh. Here's part of the, maybe just kind of think about this quote with regard to having the right understanding regarding trials. It's not joy in the thing that is happening. It is joy in the final result that this thing is moving me toward. Right? Uh, people can go through some very horrific trials. Uh, so don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sit up here and say that, you know, <laughs> kind of skip along through these things. Um, that, that's not the case. Uh, some of these trials are, are very horrific, but we need to be mindful of what that trial is moving me toward. It's not about that trial. Now, it's, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say that when the, somebody's in the midst of that trial, but the reality is they have the right understanding. We need to know that that, thing is, that trial is moving me toward something else. That's what our joy is in. Our, our joy is in the understanding that the Lord is moving me forward and He is making me complete. And He can't make me complete in, in the earthly sense. He can't make me complete without going through those trials. Right? There, there's a benefit to us in going through those trials. Mel? And that's because we have a focus of ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mel's saying that we've got a faulty view of ourselves, and that's true. And so, again, that comes back to, that's why we've got to be careful when we evangelize. Uh, many people, uh, again, will portray Christianity as something where you then have no difficulties, that we can't do that. That's being, well, it's, it's lying. Uh, let's make, make it simple. It's lying. Yeah, Jerry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sure, right. I guess it was encouraging that it looks so good. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, so if anybody has any, needs any advice on trials, go see Jerry. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's good. That's a good comment uh, on how people perceive what we have or have not gone through. Um, sure, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right, Ed. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, what the devil says. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we think about I've talked about uh, kind of the past with regard to um, seeing this all throughout Scripture. That's why it's important to look at say uh, Hebrews twelve one and two. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down right hand of the throne of God. I, I say this in the sense that we think about um, all of those people that are then referenced after this, the, the hall of faith, if you will, uh, they didn't get it immediately either. They didn't understand God's purpose or plan in all these different trials they went through, but at the end of their life, they understood. That is there for our benefit. Uh, right? So when we struggle with going through trials and thinking, I just don't see where this is even heading, I'll go back to all of those people in the Old Testament who didn't get it, but they eventually got it. Right? That should be an encouragement to us. Yeah, Libby. So it's also an encouragement. Yeah, amen. Correct. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that's why that verse two is so important. Because in trials, yeah, if we're looking at um certainly Christ is the example, but if we're looking to ourselves to kinda uh what would you say? Um uh, pull up our bootstraps <laughs> and get through it. A bad idea. Yeah, true. Amen. Yeah, it's a great comment, Drew. Yeah, yeah. this uh, understanding that uh, Christ is the example. He endured all this. He had the future-looking aspect, right? He knew what was coming later. There was a bigger purpose in what was going on, but also what Drew is talking about in the sense that uh, all of these things we take to Christ, He is the one that's going to carry us through all of these difficulties. And that's why we need to fix our eyes on Christ. He's the example, but he's also the one that's going to carry us through any difficulty that we encounter. That's uh, just very important that we do that. And that's why the body of Christ is so important. Uh, uh, we try to do these things or go through these things on our own. Uh, it's not going to work out well. It just doesn't. All right, let's move on to number two. Uh, the second aspect of how do we count it all joy, consider it all joy, 
and that's to submit to God's will. So kind of tied to number one in the sense of having the right understanding, but also knowing that this is part of God's will. We see that in verse four. And let endurance have its perfect test so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This trial is God's will for your life to grow you to maturity. As much as we want to battle that, that is not really going to do us any good. And again, we don't want to battle it if it's God's will. And so we see there when he's talking about perfect, again, it's not meaning that we're never going to sin or any of those things, but it's talking about being fully developed. It's talking about being full grown, um, uh, growing into maturity. Um, um, uh, it's talking about that there is an end result to this thing. Something's coming in the end. You're not there yet. Something's on the horizon, and you need to continue to work toward that. Um, so that, that we want to understand what that perfect is talking about there. Uh, the complete that's talked there is complete in all its parts. Uh, we're not wanting anything. We're not unsound in anything. And so those two things go together. There is a purpose to it, and it's making us so that we're not wanting in anything. Um, that's, what, that's what Christ is doing in our life. That's what the Lord is doing in moving us forward. And so that's the idea that's talked about in uh, 4 there. So we're going to submit to God's will, and this may be difficult for some to, to uh, take, or for some maybe not so much, but... This the little quote, the only way out of a trial is through it. And again, that's where we've got to be careful trying to uh, uh, jump off the path, so to speak. Uh, try to finagle our own way out of the trial. Um, uh, that's a um, kind of a bad idea. And people will say, well, if it's God's will, then uh, there really is no way to jump off the path. I would probably disagree with that to some extent. And I say it with regard to this, and you see this all the time. This is why I caution parents with regard to how they deal with their children. And so you see this with kind of jumping off the path when a child gets into trouble and the parent is always there to dig them out of trouble. They never have to suffer the consequences of their actions. That is a bad idea. Not only that, I would say it is an ungodly idea. Right? So that's where the difficulty in parenting comes in. <laughs> when do I let them fail uh, and they've got to suffer the consequences of their actions? And when is this an opportunity to show them grace and move them along? Now, it can be both, right? We let them fail, we still show them grace. Um, but there are times when. Uh, we do have to let them suffer the consequences of their actions. Um, the Probably, for me at least, one of the easiest examples, and that comes from being a chaplain down at the prison, would be just in, in simple things where uh, there were guys that would uh, uh, get caught with either, well, it started with underage drinking, but then it was drinking and driving and getting DUIs and all that stuff, and Mom and dad would jump in and somehow finagle it so the court system was very lenient on them and they really got out of what they should have suffered for consequences. 
And you just sit back and go, like, why, why would you do that? This is something they did as an adult, and they knew what they were doing. Let them suffer the, con the full consequences of the law. And, and uh, the idea is that we think we're making life better for them as we dig them out of the hole. And chances are that's not what we're doing. We're making it worse. Right, Barbara, you had a comment? As a former teacher, if you have a problem with a child, the parent would come to school and say, you, it was your fault. Oh, no, sure. Sure. Instead of turning around and saying to their kids, here's a problem. Sure, sure. And, and <laughs> as a teacher, to hear that more often, every once in a while you'll get a parent that will say, Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was the old school way, right? Um, get it, get it twice. Get it, at, get it at school and get it at home. <laughs> so, so anyway, let's be mindful of that, right? The only way out of a trial is through that. If we if we understand that the Lord is using our trials to strengthen and perfect us, then we're more apt to embrace that trial as something that's beneficial. And again, that goes back to maybe the attitude. This is something that is beneficial uh, for me. Um, um, and so when we do that, and as we go through those trials, there's going to be this perfect result, right? Um, but it is God's will for us to go through those trials. If, if that's what's happening in our life, we know that it's God's will. Again, assuming that we haven't done something stupid to place ourselves in a particular situation, we have fallen into that trial as we talked about in, the, in verse 3 there, uh, then we know that this is something the Lord wants to use in our life to grow us and strengthen us. Uh, and really we think about, um, uh, even again, this, this idea with regard to it being God's will that we suffer in some of these things or go through trials in these things. Uh, John 16, 33, In the world ye shall have tribulation. The King James Version there. Ye shall have tribulation. Um, again, these are not things that the tribulations, not things that a person's doing to themselves. These are things that people are falling into. Uh, it goes back to the understanding that it's not a matter of if we're going to have those things, but when we're going to have those things. And we need to submit to that because it is God's will for our life. All right. All right. Let's move on to number three. And that is uh, the, the uh, third component of considering it all joy. The first one have the right understanding. The second one, submit to God's will. And the third one, have steadfast faith. And that's from verses uh, 5 through 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Um, this one, I mean, they're all important, so I should stop saying important. They're all important. <laughs> this one, again, you could tie it to frame of mind as well. When we think about having steadfast, steadfast faith, it's this understanding that these things are going to, to move me along. That I know my faith and trust, my 
complete reliance in the Lord that he is going to see me through this thing. No matter what. There's nothing that's going to happen outside of his purview that uh, he can't uh, he can't move me along, he can't resolve these things, and that these things are not for my best interest. And so why is that important? We think about that or having steadfast faith because we have a lot of times, or a lot of times you'll hear this when somebody's going through trials, they'll say something like, I can't believe God is having me go through this. That is a statement of unbelief. And that's why it's so important that we think about what is in verses 5 to 8 here. Um, and again, that whole thing comes from having spiritual wisdom with regard to what God has already told us or promised us uh, in His Word. When we know that He has promised that we're going to have tribulation, then it should not shake our faith when we're actually in those things. It does not destroy our view of who God is or or our reliance on God and His goodness in my life. And so that's why we need to make sure that um, we have this steadfast faith. And steadfast, let me say this part, steadfast faith uh, does not or is not feelings-driven. Right? Again, when we think about my pleasure or lack thereof with circumstances, uh, my feelings about a circumstance does not dictate whether or not God is in it or my relationship uh, with God. And so we've got to be very careful there because, again, that's getting back into this old Middle Eastern thought, which is um, uh, if my life is skipping along, God is uh, pleased with me. If my life is not skipping along, then God is displeased with me. And again, that's just uh, an idea that comes out of uh, really emotions, um, uh, kind of looking at life in earthly circumstances. So we have to be careful to stay away from those those things. Um, turn to uh, turn to Proverbs three. This uh, should be a familiar passage, I think, to most of us. But it's always good to go back to this. Um, talking about steadfast faith and, and how we need to employ that. Proverbs 3, verse, starting in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. For the Lord, uh, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So even as we think about moving through trials and exercising faith, uh, having steadfast faith through those trials, again, that's where we need to be careful to not turn to the wisdom of ourselves. And many people do that in the sense of uh, somehow God has abandoned me. God is uh, not moving in this situation. It's not going fast enough for me. I've got to try to finagle something to get myself out of uh, the situation. And certainly, uh, with regard to that steadfast faith in Proverbs there, it includes prayer. Uh, we definitely need to pray as we're going through trials. Uh, there's nothing wrong with asking God to help you understand why you're going through a particular trial or difficulty. Uh, that, that, is, um, uh, that is certainly fine. We just don't want to move in the direction of then 
uh, trying to place blame on God for things that are going on in our life in the sense of that being negative or, or being unprofitable in our life. Uh, it is interesting we think about, people think about exercising faith as just kind of sitting back and letting whatever happen unfold. Um, and that's really just that's not true. Um, and so as we think about trusting in the Lord, exercising faith, in Proverbs uh, 3, uh, 5, and 6 there, you're really talking about um, um, kind of a command in, in that sense. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Again, it's not a suggestion. Um, it's something we need to do, something we need to employ. And uh, so we, we need to think about that. We also think about John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the uh, the so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so uh, there's nothing wrong with asking. There's nothing wrong with asking to be taken out of a trial. Um, um, maybe you think you've learned a lesson you need to learn, uh, but it's asking the Lord to help you to understand what's going on in that trial. Uh, what is it that you need to learn in that trial? Uh, Again, we need to ask the, the verses here in James, back to James. It tells us to ask but it in, <clears throat> in 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, right? If it's according to God's will, then he is going to give generously and he's going to give without reproach. So that's why we shouldn't be afraid to go before God and ask him for those things. Um, he's going to give to us generously. Uh, that means he's going to give to us unconditionally. He's going to give to us liberally. He has a readiness of heart to do that for us. That should give us tremendous joy to know that that's his disposition to us. Again, we're going to go through that trial. He's going to carry us through that trial. But he's going to also help us to understand what is going on, why we're going through those things. It may not be immediate, but he will. And he's going to give without reproach. What does that mean? What does it mean that he's going to give without reproach? <laughs> okay, that would be part of it. Yeah, he's not going to kind of go, what's, what's going on here? What are you asking me this for? Um, he is not going to defame you for asking. Right? We, we don't ask God about something that we don't fully understand. Uh, we know he's told us to go to him and ask. Uh, he doesn't respond by telling us that we're a fool for asking, right? When we when we come with him to, to him with a humble heart, and we want to know what's going on, he does not respond to us by telling us that we're idiots, that we're fools. Uh, why are you so stupid? None of those things. He does not do that. He will never do that. That, that, is, that should be encouraging to us in approaching the Lord during trials or in trials, right? Um, he's not going to uh, chide us for asking. How dare you ask me that, right? He's not going to do that. Uh, and he's not going to defame our character as we ask him. He's not going to disparage us as we ask him, right? God wants to give his children what they, we saw that, again, in the Matthew passage. He wants to give his children what they need, but we must come to him with the right heart and in faith. 
It's not based on our worthiness. None of us are worthy, right? None of us are worthy. He wants us to come and ask. Um, and so there's no scale of worthiness or significance with regard to the extent of a trial. So we're in the same trial for argument's sake. Drew and I are in the same trial. And um, uh, I'm asking to understand about the trial and, and move me through the trial. Drew's asking all those things. And in a week's time, Drew is out of the trial. And three months later, I'm still there. Well, it must mean that he loves Drew more than me. I've just got something else to learn, right? He doesn't, Drew's not more worthy than me or vice versa. There's just something else that's going on, right? So uh, we need to understand those things as we ask and ask in faith. Uh, again, we must fully trust in God's character uh, and in his promises. Here's something that maybe, well, maybe you want to write down or think through or whatever. Um, with regard to fully trusting in God's character and promises, um, we have to say this part of it is that when we don't fully trust in his promises or we don't fully trust in his character, our requests are both worthless and offensive because we're not asking out of faith. We're asking out of our own selfish desires. And so we have to be very careful when we think through these things. Again, when I talk about fully trusting God or, or, or fully trusting His character and His promises, uh, that really means if we're not doing that, then we are doubting. And the doubting that's referenced here in verses 5 through 8 in this where it's talking about uh, driven and tossed by the wind, um, it really has this idea that we're opening ourselves up to every kind of goofy doctrine that there is that's out there. Um, and, you know, people, I was in a trial and, you know, I stood on my head for three days and I said these uh, prayers backwards and I got out of the trial. Um, so you should do this, right? Uh, it's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. Uh, there's no kind of gimmicky thing to, um, uh, to getting out of uh, trials. And when we doubt, that's the kind of stuff that we're opening ourselves up to, is kind of all these different kind of goofy thoughts and ideas, really just man-centered type stuff. And so um, we've got to be very careful with those kinds of things. Um, uh, one way that we can get into trouble in, in the area of doubting uh, is thinking that my circumstances are bigger than what God can handle or thinking that my circumstances are so minuscule that I shouldn't bother God. Both of those are bad. Both of those uh, really show a misunderstanding of God and really misunderstanding of what James is saying here. It doesn't matter what the trial is, the, the bigness of it or the smallness of it. Uh, we, we should go to God in those things, fully trusting that he knows exactly what's going on and he's going to move us along in those things. Yeah, Josh. So, uh, 
So Josh's question is when Christ's talking about having the, the faith of a, a mustard seed, and um, um, uh, would that be, well, if I phrase it right here, that would be him kind of condemning them for having a lack of trust in, in God or lack of faith? Yeah. So is that the equivalent of our, our faith there that you talked about? Uh, well, certainly it's an indication of where our faith is at, right? So if we don't fully trust God in a particular situation, uh, then we would we would be acknowledging that we would be acknowledging our view of who God is. Um. Uh, we, we're not fully trusting in him because of certain things. Um, now, that can play out in many different ways. I mean, that plays out not only in trials, but just in the way we walk through life. Um, um, and it could be not necessarily a trial, right? It could be, um, I'll pick an obscure one. <laughs> it, it could be some somebody who has a desire to be married. And they want to be married now. And they're going to do whatever they can to be married now. And they are not willing to wait for God to provide their spouse for them. Um, that would be a lack of faith, right? So it's not necessarily tied to a trial, but it's tied to a real-life circumstance. Um, I think I've shared this before. A pastor I had in Louisville always talked to the young kids about this in the sense of dating, We'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, the uh, the issue, I guess, that he would talk about with regard to dating is that, uh, because it would always come up, you know, how do you know who you're supposed to marry, blah, 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 blah. Um, and certainly it would always, the conversation would be with regard to you need to marry a, a, another believer, believer to believer. Um, but he, he would always comment and say, this is how you find out who you're supposed to marry. You chase after God. And as you're chasing after God, you're going to eventually bump into somebody else that's chasing after God. That's just the way it works out. Okay? Um, do we trust God in those things? Do we trust that God will actually provide us a spouse if it's God's will for me to be married? Maybe it's not God's will for me to be married. I, right? I mean, I know it's God's will now because I'm married. <laughs> but... You know, those are things that we have to uh, think about. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. It's kind of how we're, it can be tied to trials, but it can also be tied to other things. And uh, do we fully exercise faith in that way? Yeah. Say that again. Right. What do I do with that? Is that a trial? Um, I would think it would be. It could be. It could be in the sense of you're somebody that really struggles with uh, uh, wealth. Uh, it could be a big trial. Um, so in, in that sense, uh, it could lead someone to self-reliance, someone to um, separate themselves from the body of Christ for various reasons. 
Um, but I was thinking the question in a different way, in the sense that <clears throat> whether it's something like that or a trial that we're going through that is not a pleasant trial, somebody that has cancer, um, uh, both of those things we should see in a positive sense in that it is moving us along to uh, fullness in Christ. Right now we have to move through the, the buried treasure uh, with a biblical perspective. Uh, so, but we have to move through cancer with a biblical perspective too, right? So they're both, uh, um, they could be positive or negative. Um, for some people, you don't find many, but uh, for some people getting cancer and knowing that I've only got uh, three months to live, uh, they know they're going to be home with the Lord. They're fine with that. And so for them, it's really not a trial, <laughs> right? Uh, again, very few people are in that category, but um, none, nonetheless, it depends on how we view those things. But all trials, if we see them biblically or go through them biblically, biblically then they should be a, a source of joy. And that's what he's saying at the, the, the get-go here, right? Consider it all joy. And so, yeah, we, we, that's why it's so important to have the right perspective on, on trials. Uh, that's why it's so important to move through the, uh, uh, these trials, understanding that it's God's will. Um, somebody would say, well, why, why do you say that finding buried treasure was God's will? Because it happened, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, sometimes it's as simple as that. Uh, for everybody that's in this room right now, was it God's will for you to be here today? Yeah. Uh, well, how do I know that? Because you're here, right? I mean, that's just kind of plain and simple. And so we, we need to be thinking about, what's that, Josh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we, just be, uh, we need to be mindful uh, of those things. Yeah, it's a great, great question, though. Yeah, when we think about all that, that stuff. So kind of back to number three here uh, with, with uh, uh, steadfast faith. Um, kind of what I was talking about with regard to situations not being worthy of going to God or being worthy. Uh, maybe think about it this way. Don't try to rationalize that the situation is not worthy of God's attention or that you are not worthy of His attention. Ask God because He wants you to ask. And again, we just have to ask with the right perspective. And uh, uh, we don't want to be uh, doubting. We don't, don't want to be driven uh, like the, uh, the surf of the sea or driven or tossed by the wind, right? We don't want those things. That really has an indication, as he's, James is mentioning that there, uh, it's a reference to having no sustainable direction. There's no direction in your life. Uh, ultimately, there's no biblical direction in your life. Um, so when we think about faith and exercising faith, that too is a purposeful direction of the will. I know that God's character is, is going to be faithful. He is fully trustworthy. I don't care what's going on around me. It may look like the world is caving in. But I know that he is fully worthy and his character is true to the promises that I see in Scripture. Um, and so we want to have that, uh, uh, that understanding of faith as we think about going through uh, trials. We don't want to be driven by sight. We want to be driven by faith. And again, that goes back to the character of God and His promises. Think about Hebrews 11.6. 6. 
uh, Pastor Kirk mentioned that this morning as well. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Again, that that is just having this uh, this complete confidence in God. It's not waffling back and forth. Uh, we see an example of that kind of waffling or the challenge of waffling back and forth in First Kings. I think I actually have that in here. Uh, yeah, First Kings eighteen twenty one. Uh, Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. They couldn't decide. They wouldn't make up their mind. Right? Uh, we don't want to be people like that. <laughs> we want to say, I'm following the Lord God. I don't care what's going on around me. That's who I'm following because I know he's going to take care of me no matter what. Uh, the double-minded man that's mentioned there in 5 to 8 really refers to a man who is double-souled or two-souled. Uh, S-O-U-L-E-D, two-souled. Um, he doesn't know what he's supposed to do, which is kind of out of that First Kings passage. Uh, he's trying to serve two gods. And that's that's disastrous. So we, we don't want to be that kind of person. Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And so we don't want to be that kind of person. We want to be the uh, Deuteronomy 6.5 kind of person. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And that brings us to number four. Uh, how do we consider it all joy? By being humble about who we are. We need to have a humble spirit. Um, uh, in, in what we see here, there are people in this audience that were uh, of humble circumstances, they didn't have much. Again, for some of them, they didn't have much to begin with. Others, they didn't have much because it had all been taken away from them. And uh, that can happen to all of us. Maybe we don't have much, and maybe someday those of us that have uh, more than others is all going to be taken away from us. And uh, we will find ourselves in humble circumstances. Uh, but we want to start with... Uh, uh, being humble just about who we are, uh, we don't deserve any of those things anyway. They're not ours to begin with. They're, they're the Lord's, right? Um, but really, again, you see here in verses 9 to 11, but the brother of humble circumstances, he's talking to fellow believers. Right? He's not just talking to anybody, right? But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Uh, so we kind of see what seems to be kind of a contradiction there, but he's talking in the beginning there, the brother of hum humble circumstances is the glory in his high position. What's he talking about there? What high position? What high position does the brother in Christ have? He's a brother in Christ. Yeah, he's saved. And what does that mean? I kind of referenced it at the end of the service in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 there. We have an inheritance. 
our inheritance is not here on earth. Our inheritance is in heaven. So even though in this world right now I have nothing, I have everything. I just haven't taken a hold of it yet. <laughs> it's coming, right? Um, and I need to glory in that. So even for the person in this audience that had had everything taken from them, right? they may have had a number of possessions in Israel. And remember, they don't have their land. right? So whatever land they had is gone, which is huge. Uh, that's not the important thing. The important thing is what they're going to get, right? And James is reminding them of that. And that should humble us in the sense of it really doesn't matter what's going on here on earth. Um, I don't get those things in heaven because of my wealth or lack thereof here. It's based on the glory of Christ and what he has done. That's where my focus needs to be. And the same with the person that has a lot. The person that has a lot needs to understand that his wealth, his riches, his whatever, is not going to get him anywhere. It doesn't buy him salvation. In fact, he could lose it at any time. But while he, he might have stuff, it doesn't matter. That's not what is going to buy his salvation. He's not going to get to take it with him. Uh, but he starts out here talking about those that have numble, but, uh, nothing, but the brother of humble circumstances is the glory in his high position. He has this inheritance that's waiting for him. And the rich man is the glory in his humiliation. Again, this idea that you had a lot and you lost it all. Uh, you were humbled by losing all that you had that's here on earth. And that uh, doesn't matter because you're the benefit is in uh, what is to come later on. Again, being um, fully developed as a Christian. Um, and MacArthur's commentary talks, just this initial part, he says, um, talking about 1 Corinthians 4.13, where it talks about being the scum of the world, the dregs of all things. Um, he said, he may be considered the scum of the world, the dregs of all things in the eyes of the world, but in God's eyes, he is exalted. He may be hungry, but he has the bread of life. He may be thirsty, but he has the water of life. He may be poor, but he has the eternal riches. He may be cast aside by men, but he has been eternally received by God. Right? That's the perspective that we want to have. And, and again, this comparison between uh, the person who has nothing and the rich man is just this understanding that um, whether we're well off or not, it doesn't matter. Um, whether we're well off or having nothing, we still rejoice in the uh, uh, the reality that our uh, our position is not one of our doing. It's what God has ordained for us, and then what is to come. When he talks about glory here in his humiliation, he's really talking about uh, this idea of being loud tongued about it. Uh, we're expressing that to people. Yes, we have nothing. Uh, I don't really care because the Lord has um, uh, my inheritances in, in heaven. Uh, that's what I'm counting on. That's what I'm banking on. That is where my faith is, right? And so that's what he's, he's getting at here when he's talking about that in verses um, uh, uh, five through, or excuse me, nine, uh, nine and 10. Uh, even in 11, for the sun rises, 
with a scorching wind and withers, the grass and the flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed, so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Uh, it's just an indication again that we, we don't uh, bank our hope on riches. Uh, they hold nothing for us. And as easily as we got them, or as uh, maybe as, for some as difficult as it took us to get them, uh, they can fade away uh, with a breath. And so we shouldn't rely on those things. We rely on Christ. Maybe we'll, we'll end with this. Uh, for the poor man, his lack of things should keep him focused on the eternal. For the rich man, the understanding that there is, e no, there is no eternal value in what he has should also keep him focused on the eternal. It doesn't matter which one you are. The focus needs to be on the eternal. All right? Questions? Nothing? Anything from the kids this morning? Still awake? All right, good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for, again, these uh, initial verses in the book of James and how challenging they are. Um, uh, we know that we need to understand these things because it's your will for us to understand these things and then help us to uh, rightly apply these things to our life. Give us the grace to do that. Help us to encourage one another to do that. And may we continue to fix our eyes on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen and learn with us. We hope that next time you'll join us in person. We meet every Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10 a.m. In addition to our traditional worship service, we also offer Sunday school classes for children and adults, as well as child care services in our staffed nursery. For more information about Bethel Baptist Church, please visit our website.